Uh, If you have your Bible, I invite you to open it to Joshua chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there is one either in front of or behind or under the chair that you are on, hopefully close by and not too far from you. Um, You can ask someone around you if you don't see one, and hopefully they see one. We're going to be in the book of Joshua. We're starting a new series this morning called Step Into the Promise, the book of Joshua. And uh, so the Bible... Uh, We often refer to it as one book, but it's made up of many uh, different divisions that we also call books, Uh, and Joshua is one of those books. And if you need help finding Joshua, you open that up just like any other book. There's a table of contents right in the front, and it'll help you find the book of Joshua. It's the sixth book uh, of the Bible there, and you can turn to it and find your way there. As you're finding your way there, let's talk a little bit about... um, this new series, and I want to talk about transitions this morning, and uh, specifically the fact that when a transition comes, that it often also becomes a time of uncertainty, at least for the people involved, that when you experience a transition, that often it becomes a time of uncertainty. It happens in movies, um, if you are a Star Wars fan, uh, maybe you remember this transition. Uh, when Obi-Wan is taken out or gives himself up, and all of a sudden you've got this big transition of leadership that takes place. And for those involved, it creates quite a bit of uncertainty. And that's what uncertainty looks like if you're Luke Skywalker and you're watching the person who has been your leader uh, taken down. And you wonder, what's going to come next? What's going to happen at this point? But maybe you're not a Star Wars fan, maybe you're not a sci-fi fan, a movie fan. There are other places that transitions take place. Um, You may or may not be aware there's a game later tonight. It's okay if you don't care, that's all right. God still loves you, but there's... But there is a little uh, game tonight, and... um, And there was a transition that some of you may not know about or may not remember that happened on September 23rd of 2001. Uh, September 23rd, 2001. On that day, probably no one in this room, unless you were a real astute football fan, knew the name of the sixth uh, round draft pick of the New England Patriots the year before whose name is Tom Brady. But on September 23rd, 2001, everybody watching the Patriots game learned the name of Tom Brady because Drew Bledsoe went down and Tom Brady stepped in with two minutes left in the game and he came back and lost the game. Uh, But that's okay uh, because for the last 16 years, he's been the quarterback of the New England Patriots. And people in that moment, though, if you were a Patriots fan, you were wondering what was going to happen. What's going on, right? The guy that's been leading us the last number of years, the guy that took us to the Super Bowl, Drew Bledsoe, uh, this one of the best quarterbacks in the league, went down. Uh, He's gone. He's out. And now this sixth-round draft pick, the 199th pick of the draft, nobody knows him, is stepping in to lead and be quarterback. And it worked out all right. Um, It was okay, I think. Um, The next 16 years, they'd be the winningest team in football. But in those times of transition, those times when something that you expected to be there is not there, it creates a time of uncertainty. And so as we start this series, I want to start out with a question for you. And the question is this, what do you do 
when something good is gone? What do you do when something good is gone? And I want to talk about that. And when I ask that question, I mean that in the most pure sense of the word, something good. I mean that in the most serious sense of the word. I mean sports and sci-fi aside. I mean that in your life when something good, I mean more than like you reach down the bottom of the bag and you realize you already ate the last French fry or you're watching the credits roll on the TV show you just binge watched for the last week and you realize it's over. Not that kind of thing. You enjoy those. But I'm talking about something really good. It's something that's been good for you, something that's been good in your life. And maybe it's a job that was really good for you. I mean, it's a position that you felt like it was a perfect fit for you. You excelled in it. You did really well. You loved the people you were working with. You loved the team you were working with. You guys were doing some good stuff. You felt like you were making a difference. You felt like it was a place of purpose. You felt like it was a place you were growing and challenged. And it was really good for you. It was good for your family. It provided for you. And yet, one day, it was taken away from you. Maybe you're laid off. Maybe the company closes. Maybe you just, for some life circumstance, had to leave. And all of a sudden, something that was really good is gone. And what do you do in those moments? Maybe it's not a job. Maybe it's, maybe it's something like a house. You know, maybe you had this house that was uh, this home, not a house, but a home that was so good for you and your family, and you brought your kids home to it, and you marked their height on the wall, and you had cookouts with the neighbors, and you had backyard football games at Thanksgiving, and it was a place of fun and joy, and then one day you had to leave, and you had to sell it, and something that was good for you, something that was a blessing, was gone. But maybe it's not a position or a possession because those things may hurt for a little while. But I think the ones that really hit home is when it's a person, right? When it's not something, but when it's someone. What do you do when someone who is good is gone? Someone who helped you become the best you. Someone who believed in you. Someone that brought out the best in you and moved you in a good direction. Someone that God used to teach you about God and encouraged you in your faith. Someone who prayed for you and with you. Someone who was there when no one else was around. A person God used to show himself to you. Mom, a grandmother, a dad, a grandfather. Maybe just a good friend who was there all your life. Maybe they passed away or maybe they just moved. Maybe they just had to go and life took you in different directions and someone who was really good is gone. What do you do in that moment? As we begin this new series on Joshua, we find that there's this man named Joshua who becomes the leader of God's people, the people of Israel that God chose to reveal himself to. And they're finding themselves in a position where something or someone good He's gone. And they're finding themselves in a place of transition and uncertainty. And they have to answer the question, what do you do when someone good is gone? Before we get there, let me just give you a little bit of, kind of bring you up to speed of where we are because we're going to be in Joshua for the next couple months. And so I want to just give you a little lay of the land of where we are. Um, So where we pick up in the story of Joshua is we're picking up the story of God's people 
And God's people, Israel, he chose them to reveal himself to them and through that relationship, reveal himself to the world. And at one point, that nation of Israel was in slavery to the nation of Egypt. And it was for some 400 years. And then God chose to deliver them out of slavery. And he chose, so when we pick up in Joshua, we're picking up about 40 plus or minus years after God had delivered them out of slavery in Egypt. The deliverance out of slavery in Egypt, which was probably the greatest military power the world had ever known at that point, was a miraculous thing. They saw miracles of God. They saw, they saw God miraculously be able to take them out of the nation that was the most powerful nation on earth as a, they were slaves and God removed them out of that. He did that through several miracles, through the plagues, if you're familiar with it, and then through the crossing of the Red Sea, which he parted and they walked through on dry land and, uh, and it provided a miracle for them to get out. Now, some people will say, look at that miracle and say, you know, well, I don't know. You know, maybe they had crossed the Red Sea. Maybe it wasn't that deep. Maybe, you know, I've been to parts of the water where you can kind of ford the river. You know, Oregon Trail, we forded the river. Or, you know, you walk through and wait, they waded through, and that's fine. Um, but I, the problem with that is what happens is after they crossed the Red Sea, you had the whole army of Egypt try and follow them and chase them down. And so either uh, the Red Sea parted and, you know, all the Israelites passed through it or the entire Egyptian army dr drowned in, you know, ankle-deep water. Uh, one or the other is an incredible miracle of God's deliverance. I choose to believe that he parted the sea and then... Uh, uh, he came together and they drowned in water that uh, was pretty deep. I think that makes more sense to me. Um, but it was a miraculous deliverance. It was a miraculous deliverance that God brought. And then when they came out of that, they actually were in the desert for about 40 years. And God led them. He provided water in the desert, what was probably millions of people. He provided food in that desert. He gave them what we know as the Ten Commandments. He spoke to them. He guided them. He led them. He was with them. And the entire time that he was there, they were led by a man named Moses. And Moses was this incredible leader who loved God's people, who gave himself for God's people, who cared for God's people, who spoke to God and then spoke to the people. And whenever something was wrong, they would go, what does Moses think? Whenever they needed a decision, they would say, well, what does Moses say? They were constantly looking to him. He was their leader. And so... It is with that background that it's important that as we pick up in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, I want us to look at just the first five words of Joshua 1, 1. And this is how Joshua starts. After the death of Moses. After the death of Moses. It's as if we are stepping into a story that's already being told after the death of Moses. In a sense, what it says right in the beginning is something good is gone. Someone good is gone. And Moses was this incredible leader. We know two things from these five words. From these five words, you can know two things. And the first thing is this, Moses is dead. That's the first thing you know. It's very clear uh, that Moses is dead. Moses, this great man that they had looked to, someone good is gone. The second thing you can know is this. 
there's an after. There's an after. If you have lost someone good, if you had lost something good, if it was a long time ago, <clears throat> then you know there's an after. You've come to that realization. You understand that. If it was more recently, you may be wondering if there's an after. You may be wondering what it's going to be like and if there is an after from this something good in your life being gone. But I assure you, the one thing you can know and the one thing we know here is there is an after. Um, there is grieving, weeping at times, sometimes withdrawal, sadness, but above all, there's an after. And so what happens in the after? What do you do when something good is gone? What do you do after someone, something good in your life is gone? From the next couple verses that follow, we learn something that the people of God need to remember when something good is gone. In times of uncertainty, there's one thing that Christians need to never forget. When something good is gone, there's a truth people who follow Jesus need to hold on to. And so just for the next couple minutes, I want to look at that. What do you do when someone or something good is gone? And it's a statement that's broken up into, it's one statement, but I'm going to break it up into two parts about what you have to remember. And the first thing that people of God need to remember when something good is gone is remember who is in charge. Remember who's in charge. Let me just read chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I promised to Moses. <clears throat> so God had provided a way. God had provided an answer. Moses is dead, but Joshua is alive. And the people were probably grateful for that, to know that God has not left us without a leader. Joshua, you may not know much about him, but he has been being prepared for this moment for many years. The first time that Joshua comes on the scene, we don't know anything about him, but he's leading a battle. And here's the most interesting thing about that battle that Joshua is leading. He's leading a battle and he wins the battle, but God wants to make sure that Joshua knows that he didn't win the battle by his own strength or his own ability or his own intelligence or the number of troops. So he gave him a way to know this in no uncertain terms that may sound a little strange, but here's what he did. <clears throat> he had Moses stand up on a cliff overlooking the battlefield why Joshua is down there in the battle. And what happened was, as long as Moses had his hands raised in the air to God, lifted up to God, then Joshua and the Israelites were winning the battle. The moment he dropped his hands, they would start to lose the battle. And, and so I don't know how he figured this out. And I, and I hate to think what I would have done if I was in Moses' position. Because I probably would have done a little of this. 
And they're like, winning, losing, winning. Like, is this really what's happening? I'm not sure. Like, trying to figure it out. But it's somehow he figured it out. That my hands are up. They're winning. Hands are down. They're losing. God told them, you know, that was, that was what was going to happen. Honestly, that's how he knew. God told them that was going to happen. So he's holding his hands up. He has people even propping his hands up, and they're winning the battle. Why does that happen? That's kind of strange. That's not usually how battles are won. Why does that happen? It happens because God tells Moses afterwards, make sure Joshua knows that this is how the battle was won. That from the very beginning, this military leader would know that it's not him. It's not his strength. He's not that good. But God is in charge. And God is in control. And so this guy Joshua comes on the scene and he's Moses' assistant. He actually goes up Mount Sinai with him when he gets, Moses receives what we know as the Ten Commandments. Doesn't go all the way up, but goes with him on the trip and comes back down with him. And Joshua has been prepared for this moment. Moses commissioned him. Moses told the people that this is what's going to happen next. So they probably had some assurance that Joshua was going to lead them, and that was probably provided some confidence to them. But the truth is, Joshua is not really in charge. The truth is that God is in charge and always has been in charge. That Moses is dead, and one day Joshua will be dead, but God is still in charge. That something, someone good in your life might be gone, but here's what you don't forget. The people who are good to you, the people who brought out the best in your life, the people who loved you and shared life with you, they were put in your life by a good God. They were put in your life because God had placed them there. Make no mistake about it, God's in charge and he's got this. God may send, maybe God sent someone into your life afterwards and you said, you know, I don't know how I would have made it through without you. And God sent that person to you, placed him or her in your life, knowing that you would need someone, knowing that uh, they would be able to provide what you needed in that moment. So the truth is that God is still in control. God is still in charge. And when something good is gone, the first thing you need to remember is remember, remember who's in charge. And the second part of that statement is this. When something good is gone, remember who's in charge hasn't changed. Remember who's in charge hasn't changed. And this is two implications of that. And the first one is this. The fact that the person in charge hasn't changed means that you can continue to trust God's promises. That the promise didn't die with the position, didn't go away because you lost your position at work, didn't go away because you lost a possession, and it doesn't change because that person is gone. It says in that passage that we looked at, Verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. God's saying the promise hasn't changed, Joshua. Just as I gave it to Moses, now I'm giving it to you because the promise hasn't changed. And the same thing is true in your life and in my life, that the promises that God put in your life, the same God that gave good gifts to you and good people to your life has not run out of good. 
God, is not, God doesn't run out of good. He doesn't run out of good gifts. He doesn't run out of good things for you. He's placed those in your life, and he can put more of those in your life. God told Joshua that the promise was still in effect and that he still has work to do. So the first thing, the fact that he's still in charge and he hasn't changed means that his promises are still true. But it also means the second implication is this. He's still in charge. And by that I mean he still has work for you to do and you still have to look to him as the one who's in charge because here's what happens. Here's what happens. Something good is gone. Someone good is gone. And what we are tempted to do in that moment is to take charge ourselves. Sometimes we're going to fix it. We're going to figure it out. We're tempted to just take charge ourselves. Or we're tended, we have a tendency at times to abandon God. Because how could he possibly be in charge? If this person who is good, if this good thing in our lives is now gone. How can I trust you with my pain if I trusted you with my pleasure and the good things in my life and now I'm in this situation? And yet the truth is that God is still in charge. It hasn't, and he hasn't changed. And the same good that he gave to you, the same love that he shared by having that person in your life or giving you that wonderful position or blessing you with that wonderful possession, that same good, God is still in charge and he hasn't changed. And so he's still in charge. So don't take charge back, but listen for the next right thing to do and follow his instruction. Follow and do the next right thing. Follow his commands because both were present for Joshua. He not only said the promise is still for you, but he also said this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. He had a command for him. So the promise hadn't changed, but the fact that God was in charge hadn't changed either. He had to follow the command and believe the promise. I actually think it works the other way around. You have to believe the promise so you can follow the command. And I think sometimes when we get in a situation where we don't want to follow God's command, maybe you find yourself in a situation where you know what God is telling you to do. You know God has told you to take a step of faith. You know God has told you to maybe give something up. You know what God's will is in this situation in your life. You know you're supposed to stop doing something or you know you're supposed to start doing something. You know God has told you to do this maybe for a person or in your life and you haven't done it. And why? I think too often the reason is we don't obey the command because we don't really believe the promise. We don't really believe that God is going to continue to be good. We don't really believe that God's best is better. We don't really believe that the promises of eternity are better than the pleasures of the immediacy. We don't really believe that God is going to take care of us. And so we take charge. And so we do our own thing. And if you're in that place where you just say, well, I just you know, haven't wanted to do it, or I just haven't been able to do it, or I just don't have the strength to do it, or I just don't have the ability to do it, might I suggest that the real reason might be that we don't really believe 
that what God's telling us to do is something we can trust. And maybe we need to ask God instead of strength to do what he said, maybe we just need to ask him to help us to believe his promises even more. Perhaps you're in here and you're not a follower of Christ, you're not a Christian, and you look at people who are, you look around this room and you say, how can you, you know, live this way? Maybe you know Christians in your life and you're like, how do you, why would you make decisions like you make? Why would you be that committed to this God that I don't believe in? Why would you organize your life around this? Why would you give up so much to follow this God? Why would you do it? I would submit to you that you'll never understand that if you never believe the promises that God has given because it doesn't make sense. It won't make sense. That's why trying to get somebody who doesn't know Christ to live like they do know Christ is going to be very difficult and not make sense because they don't believe the promises, so why would they obey the commands? Joshua was given both. Joshua trust that who's in charge hasn't changed. Who's in charge hasn't changed. And you can trust his promises and you can follow his commands knowing that who's in charge hasn't changed. There's a place in the Gospels where Jesus is confronted with um, who's in charge. And it's when he's on trial before Pilate. It's in John chapter 19. Uh, I'll just read a verse for you. John chapter 19. He comes against this place where Pilate, who he's on trial before, is questioning him. And he's threatening him, really. And he says, so Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it has been given to you by above. And the truth is, Jesus in that moment is recognizing the one who's in charge hasn't changed. Jesus may be on trial before a human judge. He may be threatened with crucifixion and death, but he stands there and says, no, you're not in charge. The one who's in charge hasn't changed. And so for you and for me, when you may find yourself in a place that you did not expect to find yourself, when you might find yourself when something good in your life is gone. All of us will at some point be there. If you've not experienced that in your life, you've experienced a wonderfully blessed life to this point. But I promise you at one point then you will. Because the longer you live, the more people and places and things you'll say goodbye to. And some of those will be good things and places, and people. And what will you do after that? When your world is rocked, and your mind is stirring, what you will do, if you're a follower of Christ, I pray, is that you will remember that when something good is gone, that who's in charge hasn't changed. That when things around you are uncertain, that you would take that first step into certainty, knowing that God can be trusted. So I'm going to ask Aaron and Jesse to return, and we're going to respond to God's word this morning with some time of
worship and prayer. And maybe you're here this morning and that's the place you're in. Something good in your life is gone. And you are in the after time, but you are still reeling. You are still reeling. And you need God to assure you and remind you that he's still in charge and that he hasn't changed. Or maybe you're in that other place that I talked about. God's given you a command just like he gave to Joshua. And it's as clear as day. It's maybe in his word, in his Bible, and you know exactly what the Bible says about this part of your life, and you still <clears throat> haven't obeyed God. You know what he's asking you to do. You know what he's told you to do. And you haven't done it. Maybe this is the time that you would respond to God's word by asking him not so much for the strength to be able to do it, but first for the conviction of believing his promise enough that it will motivate you to do it. That you would believe what God has said is true about you is true about you. That you would believe what God has revealed to you about himself, that he can be trusted is true. There was one person in the scriptures who Jesus said, you don't believe. And his response was, Lord, I believe. Please help my unbelief. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. Lord, I believe, but Lord, I want to be fully committed and fully trusting in you, Lord. When something good is gone, remember that who's in charge hasn't changed.